Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sid Marxism Podcast. This is another episode. I am your host, Sam. This episode, as always, will be edited by Rich. Thank you, Rich. And I am joined by the two goodest boys, as always, Alex and Danny. Uh, let's start with Alex. Alex, how are you doing today? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Um, hopefully, my internet will drop. <laughs> I, I'm saying that because if I tempt fate, uh, it definitely would happen. That's how it works, right? Indeed. Yeah. You started to cut out there for a second, and I thought it was just going to be the ultimate irony of just like, if I tempt fate, I'm just dead. Yeah, then you just immediately (laughs) drop. So I've reached the level of irony poisoning that, like, my life is literally saturated with irony, like, in in an epistemological, like, point, this way of speaking. Like, I'm just, (laughs) I'm whatever that song about irony, which is not actually irony, come to life. Uh, You know, that, (laughs) that, that song that. People complain that isn't actually ironic, but keeps mm. erroneously claiming things are ironic. I don't know pop culture. Like this That's is why it. I'm on this shit podcast and not like the pop culture cast. Well, that's why you're not on Pod Save America when they uh, turn down your application. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> there are other reasons for that, I think. But yeah, indeed. Um, what are you up to? I think you're pretty excited for Warcry. I remember talking with you about that a little bit earlier. Uh, I think you got Warcry. Is that right? Oh yeah, you know, like um, just just in the uh, the mail yesterday, I, I got a knock on the door, and someone gave me a box which, for all its size, could have actually been like a coffin of a small Labrador, like it was enormous. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I was having a look at the content there, awesome, really good quality models. Um, just sort of uh, starting with my iron golems, putting them together. To paint, I think the the I most like and are also quite good in the actual Age of Sigmar game are the Furies, which are like these life um, bearded kind of flying gremlin demons, um, which are very nice. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting those painted. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I had a uh, chance because I went to my local Games Workshop store and they had the models out. They actually, um, the the store uh, guy, he was painting a bunch of them himself, and they look really nice. Uh, obviously, they were uh, done in the you know classic schemed Iron Golems, the red, the untied beast, that kind of like flesh stuff. But um, you're going to do like trans colors for the Iron Golems, right? Yeah. So like, um, I was trying to figure out what to do them. You, you know me, I fucking hate metallics. Me- metals are reactionary. I've, I've said it here first. Um, it's it's plastics and wood. That's the future. Um, but so yeah, like I've always liked the colors, you know, light pink and light blue, um, and they kind of seem like a good canvas to do it. But just selecting different uh, pads of of their armor and then doing them in solid colors and then maybe adding the stripe on the helmets. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to like because I've spent millennia on my various projects, so I don't want to do anything that will take me too long. And I think doing block colors with a bit of edge highlighting might be a way of actually completing a project for the first time in a while. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Danny, uh, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been chilling out. I mean, like I said last week, um, uh, my cousins came into town and uh, we played Magic. We had a good time. 
uh, you know, did the usual thing. Um, other than that, you know, getting into arguments with chuds about Warhammer and uh, getting muted by server admins is always so. That's that. <laughs> what were you on? Uh, like a video game or a Magic Discord, and you were, no, you were like, "Black people should have rights," and then it's like immediately booted. Well, no. What ended up happening was I was talking to this guy about, you know, uh, he's basically he, he was like one of the Sargon guys. He's just like, well, oh, fuck me. It's it's just um, it's it's just uh, escapism, bro. I don't want to hear anything about modern politics. And I was like, well, you should maybe consider why you view it as escapism and look at why people made it so that you can view it as escapism. And then he just started paying the server admin so much that he got annoyed and uh, muted me. And then he apologized, so that was nice. But, well, not the guy I was talking to. I was about to say, I wouldn't accept an apology from that asshole. No, he has other problems that I won't get into. That's fair. Yeah, the classic, uh, the classic Reddit response, stop injecting politics into my game about fascism. Yeah, yeah, you know. I, I you should have recommended our very apolitical podcast to him. I'm sure he would have found it. Very oh God! Oh no! <laughs> I was I was like tempted to, but he was also getting on me because I screwed up something about the lore. I said, um, because I said I was new to the lore and I was just talking about you know things, mm. and then I was like, oh hey, uh, he was like, oh when the horse ever is he happening? It was like a, like for, I was like 41st century, and he's like no, and then he got on me. Uh, I was like, I was uh, incorrect. It's like, like, I mean, to be fair, you need to know the fucking dates. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to know the very specific, like M forty one point eight two one or some bullshit like that. Yeah, you have you have to know that, or else you're not able to uh, do in the tabletop. It's in the battle primer for forty k. It's uh, there's like a little quiz. You know, it's kind of like the citizen te- test for the uh, the United States. Where it's like, yeah, you know, like who's who's the president? Who's the vice president? It's kind. Of, it's like it's like okay, uh, who's the emperor? Uh, what date were the, did the Tyranids make contact with Tyran? You know the basics. Real, real hardcore gamers don't actually roll dice when they play. They just get out this enormous book of Warhammer trivia, and then in order to decide whether an attack hits or misses, they have to like t- say the right answer to some obscure fact, like you know who was the third chaplain of the White Scars in the year. 30,455 and then if they get it wrong whatever they 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 miss the save that's how real gamers play <laughs> that's how real war gamers do it um to go on to a bit of a... just imagine trying to cheat in that where you basically just have all the facts for you, you ever known for 40k written on your arm and it just goes all the way like around <laughs> your body so you just have a full body tattoo i say well you look like Erebus IRL yeah <laughs> Yeah, you, you would just be Erebus then. And honestly, like, I don't even think, like, you're, uh, an Astartes body could fit the amount of lore retconned and not retconned onto, like, a, a human body, unless it was, like, literally, like, minuscule atom size. What if Erebus just has the transcript of every Arch Warhammer video just on his body? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what he is, honestly. He has, he has a tally mark every single time Arch rolls an R in, like, weirdly or, like, uh, <laughs> incorrectly. Not not incorrectly, inconsistently, and he just has it. But that's a real secret of the warp. It's ours all the way down. <sighs> yeah, that that was the uh, the pact that Arch made with the the daemons was to have the rolled tongue <laughs> and be able to do it on on command. <laughs> no, that, that, it was it was a good it was a, that pact. It was like making a pact with like a genie, right? Where it's like they give you it, but he can only do it inconsistently. So like he can <laughs> roll it, but he can't roll it all the time. So he's screwed. Mm. A monkey's oh. pod. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, Monkey's Ball just curled up uh, as soon as Arch Warhammer made his YouTube channel. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, what's not so funny is uh, at the time of this recording, America had two additional uh, mass shootings, both by white supremacists. Uh, we had one in El Paso, Texas, and then another in Dayton, Ohio. The El Paso one was explicitly inspired by, was an eco-fascist, explicitly inspired by the Christchurch shooting and his manifesto. Yeah, and do not check out the manifesto. This pod does not condone reading it. It's the same shit. All you have to do if you really want to hear the uh, El Paso shooters manifesto is just follow Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, like Laura Loomer. But the El Paso shooter quotes the Lorax in his manifesto. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yes. It's oh. bad. It's somehow even worse than the Christchurch shooter. That's why I wouldn't recommend... Like, if you want to... For me, like, my opinion on this is, like, generally... If you want to... For me, I, like... I search out this kind of stuff because I want to know how people think and how people are um, indoctrinated into killing, uh, you know, scores of innocents. And... Basically, if you want to know your, or if you want to defeat your enemy, you got to know him first. So reading it, maybe, I mean, it's mostly useless dribble. It's, it's very milk toast. Like his, his thing was just basically proving that, uh, fascism is a response to alienation under capitalism and, uh, just trying to be like, you know, third way instead of socialism, we just kill all the brown people. That's pretty much it. Yeah, didn't he like specifically say he's like I want to shoot it, shoot as many Mexicans as possible or something like that, like right beforehand. Yeah, or like, <laughs> like something, something like that right beforehand. But also like um, he said um, until the Christchurch shooting, I wasn't going to target Mexicans, but I just said, you know what, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, meanwhile, these guys, uh, you know, they're able che- treated so gently and taken into custody. Meanwhile, Eric Garner goes and sells cigarettes on the sidewalk, and he gets choked to death. Oh uh, yeah. These fucking white supremacist pricks. Uh, yeah, it's like I, I'm just like so frustrated by the thoughts and prayers response. It seems that the current Republican talking points is thoughts and prayers. I mean, also they're blaming video games too, which is just like they were blaming Antifa as well, which was well, just like big. Bro- yeah, I mean, yeah, vi- video games. Fair enough. I mean, they are cancer. They're they're awful. We should ban them. Um, you're, off, you're off the pod, Alex. I can't. I can't stand. <laughs> as as a gamer myself, you're oppressing my my minority status. Yeah. Well, this pod is for putting gamers against the wall. However, this pod is against blaming mass white supremacist shootings on video games. I know it's okay, a very it's a it's a, it's a little bit contradictory stance. Um, you know, uh, this will be used to cancel us later on. But uh, gamers yeah, are just bad in other ways. You see. Yeah. Well, what's well, uh, well? They're blaming like specifically like a copo, copy of Halo Three, and you know, not not Halo Three didn't inspire this shooter. Um, anyways, I also found like I I had to, I went to uh, church this morning with my family just because they wanted me to, and I was very hungover and very sad, and I heard about the Dayton shooting, and then they talked about it at church, and they were just basically like thoughts and prayers, and um, you know, actually, you should forgive the shooter uh for what he's done because that's what jesus would do and of course it's like well yeah the the thing is like that they would like they're they're okay with forgiving the um, the, the 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 white supremacist shooters the el paso and the dayton one but you know if uh this quote-unquote gang violence happens you know that you know that that one they would give a speech like they're gonna burn in hell 
uh, oh, it was probably MS-13, or if their skin isn't, like, absolutely pale white, if they're even, like, slightly black or brown, then then they're going straight to hell. But, you know, acts of forgiveness. Yeah, to make to make matters worse, he was then he was then talking, doing the dumb talking point where it's like, actually, if you have money, you can get into heaven. You just have to be a philanthropist. And he's like, this guy gave a hundred million dollars to um, this billionaire gave a hundred million dollars to uh, a medical school so he can pay off people's loans. And he's like, he's using his money to help other people. So therefore, you know, he's a good person, and you know, well- having money is not bad. Well, t- to be fair, I think the the school of the four humors really appreciated that donation. Like we're we're not doing very well for cash at the moment, and and so it, it's good that someone's investing in our vital science. You know, we we need to have more plague doctors. Is what we need more plague yeah. doctors with plague masks. That's what the the real money needs to go to. Uh, Bill Gates. Uh, Bill Gates. I know you're a fan. Yeah, uh, Bill Gates. You're listening. We need more plague doctor masks, and uh, so. Yeah, put the Bill and Melinda Foundation to something actually useful instead of just going back into your pockets. Fucking assholes. Give them the wall, too. So, <laughs> uh, so, so this episode's going to be kind of a little bit about uh, starting collecting, you know, getting interested in the hobbies. But this is going to be more newer player friendly. So, you know, if you're not interested in listening to that, you know, feel free to, you know, not listen. We're going to take some uh, viewer questions. Alex and I are going to give our list recommendations as well. Uh, Danny's going to talk a little bit about what he's interested in, how he's interested into it, uh, aesthetics he's interested in. But before we get on to that, we have a little bit of not depressing and horrible white supremacist news. We have the story of Gen Con coming in. Uh, there was nothing too much in the realms of Age of Sigmar. Uh, they announced Beast Grave, which looks really cool. That's a new expansion of Warhammer Underworlds. And the Beastmen look great. And I feel like, Alex, I like those Beastmen are right up your alley. Yeah, they look really awesome. Um, I... You know, I like how they're also kind of goofy, like how the uh, the shaman has like a uh, uh, like a sleeveless vest on, and how one of them <laughs> is kind of like one of the ungors is is sort of like splaying his arms out in what what can only be described as invisible that syndrome. Like he's trying to like put his vest out <laughs> and look threatening, but he's just like a, a weedy little ungor with a shit spear. But they're just quite characterful, and yeah. uh, I think the bigger part of that is is the um. The fact that it's like a, a double Beastie Boys box, um, where you also it have, is. like, you know, and and they say there's no satire in Warhammer. Well, what are these? They these are satires, uh, or satires, however you pronounce that. Satyrs. They're like satyrs. Yeah. They're, they're not even pronounced anywhere near that. They're satyrs. <laughs> well, okay, nice. like it's a pun that works on the page. Uh, it's a pun that works in no realm except <laughs> <at> Alex. <laughs> It was good in my mind, okay? I thought I was clever, but I really wasn't. <laughs> I, that, I thought I was like... making a good pun, but I'm actually an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't you need brain rot to make puns in the first place? Like, yeah. But anyway, so like the, the um, kind of Wanderer-esque aesthetic of uh, uh, what, what was uh, in the old world, the Wood Elves, um, reimagined with like more bestial kind of elements. Um, so yeah, they, they, they look very awesome. I'm yeah, looking oh. forward to to I make some noise and I can't say uh, I'm a big fan of the satyrs. I hate that orange hair. It looks too much like fire slayers. Or just paint mm. them differently. Like uh, uh, if the colors, like the models themselves, it's pretty good. Like especially the posing. I love the one that's like mid jump, firing at a uh, bow and arrow. That looks very nice. Mm. Question for some of these models: Have they ever done like a model where it's um, 
like dual molded with like one of them is like trans plastic. If that hair is like trans plastic, that would be cool. Sorry, what? Trans plastic? Well, you know, like trans like transparent plastic, like semi translucent. Okay. Oh, so, no, so, so yes, I, I did just ask. <laughs> All right, you you made me sound really stupid, and I was actually <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They, they don't do transparent plastic, no. It's uh, usually colored, or it's just great plastic. Well, you, you say that, but like the, the Necrons come with those little tubes. Like, no real models, but occasionally you get bits and pieces. That's true, but like the Necron stuff, that those bits are like old as fuck. Yeah, those are third yeah. edition ne- Necron warriors. That are translucent. Yeah, so, so they haven't done it in a while. Yeah, I, I don't think they're planning. I think they're planning on keeping it mostly great plastic. They announced the Blood Bowl Saurus Warriors, and I think those are really cool. I would really love uh, new Saurus Warrior sculpts, because these ones are actually appropriately sized, like similar to how a Saurus Warrior is supposed to be, according to the lore. Like, not these, like, little tiny, uh, little tiny stunty lizards that they, the current models are. I like these uh, Blood Bowl ones, because they look like proper, vicious, uh, savage uh, Aztec warriors. Like, they're I mean- huge. I can take the Saurus of, of these sculpts. The skinks are what I'm all about. They, they oh, look like that. You know the um, the Scar Band Madness, and they, they, the silly walk that they do. They, they all look like they're doing that. Mm. One of them looks like they're doing like the Theresa May walk, like walking on, <laughs> dancing. Yeah, on that's that's oh it. yeah, that one does. <laughs> they're coming out, coming out the Dancing Queen. Oh man, someone's gonna have to give that one like a big old wig and be like. You know, they they look like they all belong to the Ministry of Silly Walks to me. That's probably <laughs> what the skinks belong to. Uh, other things they announced, they announced Dreadfane, which seems to be just a reboxing of Night Vault. Storm Vault, uh, which is not re- related to Night Vault, kind of. It's just like a PvE Age of Sigmar game involving the Stormcast Vanguard, which are a specific offshoot of the Stormcast Eternals. Uh, it's like a PvE cooperative game that they're announcing, which is interesting. Um, I can't imagine that being really interesting it's like they announced that aeronautica imperialis which like that one's like the most useless of the boxes announced because it's like okay so adeptus titanicus is semi-popular in my area but the, the reason why adeptus titanicus is popular is because it's connected to the Horus heresy and also people just love giant knights aeronautica imperialis is like gw's answer to fantasy flight games x-wing d- division but I don't think the people who maybe there is like an audience for it, they're trying to steal X-Wing fans. But like knowing GW's like pension for balancing, it's probably going to get broken at some point or just not be balanced at all versus fantasy flight games. You do a much better job of balancing their stuff. And it's not like you can use the models for Warhammer 40K. Like half of these box sets are just like, okay, it's like I don't give a shit about the individual game that's in them. I'm just interested in like a, a good deal. On collecting multiple minis, like this other box that they announced for 40k uh, called Combat Arena, which is actually it features a lot of new sculpts. Like it has like a Inquisitor, it has the new Crusader, a new Primaris Psyker, a new uh, Tech Priest Engine Seer. Where like the game mode, it's like, oh yeah, you know, they're fighting each other in like one one v one combat. But most people aren't going to give a shit about that game mode or the game. They're just interested in finally having plastic sculpt of models that have been resin uh, or just alternative sculpts forever. That's all it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like a uh, you, you it, it, games uh, games workshop is getting good at fun dual use things. So releasing a model and then like tying it into some board game that someone might be interested in, but also it's got the draw of like a, a secondary use in the main game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, actually, yeah. like imagine imagine trying to compete with 
um, X Wing. Like, it would, like if they thought about it for a second, I mean, Tie Fighter dogfight in space are like a massive part of what captures people's imagination. Star Wars. It's like only the tiered below lightsaber fights, right? Whereas, yeah. who actually gives a shit about aerial combat in 40k in in the law? Like, who who reads a 40k book? And like, the thing that really sticks out to them is the aerial combat. Now, something like Battlefleet Gothic, where they're using like the big big battle ships, then sure, people care about that. But like the mid range sort of Dog fighter fights. planes, yeah, like nobody gives a shit about that in this. Yeah, in- like instead of Aeronautica Imperialis, if they just reprinted Battlefleet Gothic, people would give a shit about that. But this yeah. is so blatantly uh, an attempt to copy uh, X-Wing. And it's just kind of like, that's not the part that people are interested in 40K. It's like people don't, authors don't write about that stuff. Usually it's usually like big capital combat. They like the big scale of it. They don't like the interpersonal dogfight stuff or they like more interpersonal on the ground thing. But I'm sure there's lots of contrarians in the Discord and Twitter who will disagree with us and say that Aeronautica Imperialis is the game mode that they've been waiting for forever or something like that. But I don't think most people flying shit about it. Ah, flying shit about it. Got him. Uh, Games Workshop, if you're listening, uh, re uh, release Battlefield Gothic and reprint that. Uh, thank you and good night. Anyways, so the big announcement at Gen Con is, of course, the Chosen Sons, uh, the pr- proverbial prodigal sons and remaining only sons only, as they were explicit in the trailer, a new Codex Space Marines book, which they're announcing a whole new line of miniatures. Uh, they have all those new Vanguard. Uh, Marines, which look, uh, you boys have seen them. They don't look too good for me. <laughs> like a lot of those mm. Space Marine Vanguard models, like some of them were kind of okay, but like they're so tactical. Like they look way too 21st century for me. They, they look very much like Call of Duty, like uh, Modern Warfare kind of stuff rather than 40K. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in that in that Invictor warsuit thing. Oh man, that thing is a Invictor tactical warsuit. Excuse me, which is supposed to be stealthy. And that like, thing looks like an ogre machine. Like, why is this? What? Well, it looks like the baby carriage again. It, yeah. it looks like it looks like the Dread Knight baby carriage and like that infamous model. And it's just like, okay, we're gonna read this because like this thing's gonna basically become like a new copy pasta probably. The Invictor Tactical Warsuit is designed with sound-dampening materials, enabling it to move at great speed with minimal noise output. In support of the living pilot's vanguard brethren, in fact, it can even set up alongside them and conceal deployment, which means deep strike. And yes, that totally is a pistolized heavy bolter strapped to its hip. The list of terrifying things that might be sneaking up on you in the dark corners of the 41st millennium has just got longer. And it's Ooh. like, yep. Yeah. Uh, they gave it like a sneaking up on anyone. There's like literally like just like two machine. There's it has a machine gun uh, on its right hand, and then just two machine guns pointing out of its stomach, and then like a bolter and then a hand on the other side. Yeah, it's not stealthy at all. <laughs> I mean, like yeah, it's like so clearly aping off the dread Redemptor Dreadnought design, but it's like the whole point of the Dreadnoughts is that it's like an intern space marine who's been mortally wounded who continues to serve. But this is just a this is just like a piloted mech. This is just looks like a bad mech warrior. Like this looks like fan art of mech warrior combined with 40k. Honestly, it reminds me of the uh, the the Hick episode in um, uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Or was it Love, Death, and Robots? Death, yeah, love and, yeah Sex, yeah. Love, Death, Robots. Who cares? Yeah, well, whatever. Not not especially good show, but one of the better uh, episodes was uh, like a, a load of sort of 
stereotypical Disney-fied hillbillies in mech suits. And mm. this essentially just looks like that. Yeah. They announced the Impulsor <laughs> instead of the Repulsor. We have the Impulsor, which looks like a, a Grav Tank Rhino. Uh, that thing is ugly as sin. There's, of course, a new Primaris Lieutenant, which we commented about a few episodes uh, hey, back. With, 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 the re- with the Impulsor, I do like the like Space Marine sitting at the top of the tank. Just like you have this huge tank and then you just like, poke your head out. Yeah, I do love him. Yeah, it's not even like the thing where he's like, uh, like, uh, like a turret mounted, like heavy stubber or something like that. It's like literally just his head popping out. Like, hello. He's <laughs> <laughs> it, just like, he's adorable. Like, I, I, the only, that's the only part I want. I just want to be able to have like a space marine head, like sticking out of all of my machines of war, just like barely sticking out, like not even mounting on a gun or anything. Just like slightly popping the head out. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. There's the new marine. There's the eliminators, which I like the eliminators when they have their helmets on. But like that's classic, just like Call of Duty tactical shit. And then there's yeah. the Vanguard, which have their next things. And you know what? And we're bringing back sixth edition because you know what's coming back, guys? Codex supplements. And you might be asking, Sam, I just spent forty dollars on a or however many quid that is uh, on a codex. Why do I need these supplements? It's like, well. Because Games Workshop didn't feel like giving you good chapter tactics or good <laughs> unit specifics. <laughs> now they're going to make you buy separate supplements on top of the codex. So now you're going to have even more books to get lug around with you. Does the, the supplement contain creatine? Because if it's not, then it's not worth buying. It does not, no. It, um, so it's like on top of the Warhammer 40k general rulebook, on top of chapter approved for your new points, on top of Codex Chaos, I mean not Codex Chaos Space Marines, just Space Marines. You're then going to have to, or, and then if you're using any of the special Vigilist attachments, then you're going to have to hold on to uh, Vigilist Defiant, and then on top of that, you're going to have to hold on to one of these Codex Supplement books. And it's just like a huge, a huge kick in the nards uh, to me that the first one they announce is. Um, Codex Ultramarines, Codex Supplement Ultramarines. When it's like the <laughs> the basic. Codex has always been just ultramarines. It's always just been like, it's like, oh, the, the ultramarines have like such a unique style of warfare. It's like, yeah, it's called the Codex of Stardust that Gilliman fucking wrote. It's like, it's the, the ultramarines are like the most basic, like, of the space marines. You already have like the vanilla space marines, and then the ultramarines are just the most vanilla and boring out of all of them. And they, they, they did announce another one, they announced the White Scars. Which are cool, and I look. I do love the White Scars, and they have some really good uh, Horus Heresy books. But and they're redoing one of their main characters, Krasara Khan. And what are the White Scars known for? The White Scars are known for being fast and hitting hard and riding on bikes. And what is this? Because they're now giving every named character the Primaris upgrade. And Krasara Khan doesn't even have Moon Drake his bike before. It's like they had the chance. They had the chance to model him with a bike, and they're not giving him a bike. He's extremely static in his pose, which possibly isn't the ideal choice for the fastest archetype. Exactly. It's a nice, it, it's an okay model, but yeah, just seems the, like the, the model looks nice and it's 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 great. They do great fur. The hawk looks great. The pri- I, I I like the intercessors. I like the Primaris armor. I don't have a problem with Primaris looks in generally. I I usually prefer my tacticals, my Mark IV, my Mark Sevens, Mark Threes. But it's just like the fastest, most agile hit and run faction in their named HQ is just standing there on a rock, uh, standing there menacingly. 
Tigarius is so fast like, you don't even see him move. Yeah, it's like the SpongeBob meme. It's like you want to see me touch that rock? Want to see me do it again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, he's just standing there. And Tigarius is you know standing ultramarine heroically. He's got a banner, and no one gives a shit about Tigarius. Tigarius is Tigarius because uh, of course there's more ultramarine stuff. And they're not even going to rework bikes because those models are old as sin and they look ugly as hell. So there's also a new Kill Team starter set, which is going to be uh, Fire Warriors versus uh, Space Wolf Reverse in a new box set. And the amount of terrain you get in is less than Sictor Imperialis, but you know they're probably going to charge 130 or now 140 for it. Uh, so I mean, as 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 an ultra as a Space Marines player. Uh, as I've been, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Codex 2.0. Uh, it's just going to be nice to have like all the points updated so I don't have to keep lugging around chapter approved. Probably. Hopefully. Uh, then there may be some new rules and they'll get some stratagems that aren't totally useless, but I'm just so annoyed by the supplements. And then I'm going to have to spend like another 30, 40 quid on just another book to carry around another book to actually play my army with a bit of flavor instead of just being in the main Codex Astartes. Welcome to New GW. They really care about you. New GW just—they love you so much. They just want you to have to break your back carrying around all their hardcover books that are never printed in softback. They just love you that much. Bestowing their gifts of literature onto us. Hmm. And lo, did the the next book of GW come, and and we did praise them for their their glorious words, which will be eroded in about three weeks. Uh, uh three weeks. I'm giving it one week. <laughs> and not to, not to mention all the grammatical errors that uh, GW doesn't seem to have an editing team for even their Warhammer community website. Seems so, like a big oversight. It's a little bit of an oversight that they don't have editors um, to edit you know, the four books you're dropping $40 for. Yeah, you'd, you'd think that'd be a little bit more important, but, you know, this is a bit <laughs> of a salty episode. Yeah, didn't they... <laughs> or, uh, I, I I I may be wrong on this, but didn't they accidentally put like the old points values of one of the factions in one of the general's handbooks that they released? And they're like, whoops, those aren't the the old; those are actually the uh, the old ones. We we then released the art of the new ones. So if you were buying it mainly because you play that faction, <laughs> it's yeah, quite a funny experience. Oh yeah, that happened with um, the Chaos Space Marine Obliterators, where they printed out this new second edition book. You know, all the hype and stuff. It's like, oh, new point stuff, and the 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 it had the old points from 1.0, and everyone was like, wow, they buffed them up their data sheet and everything, and now they're stronger. And it's like, but they're the same points. Oh, that's weird. And it's like they're horribly overpowered. And then they have to errata their book that they just <laughs> made like a month later. Like, oh yeah, you know, it's the. Uh, it's the Shadow Spear cost. It's just like they don't have anybody looking over these books. It feels like uh, uh, it's insane the, the lack of oversight uh, by Games Workshop. And so, with uh, after dunking on them, you'll slurp not... it up. You'll slurp up the slop, and they'll keep yeah. feeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like after just dunking on the company for a good uh, thirty minutes. Uh, now we're going to tell you which of their products you should buy and start collecting Sig Marxism. <laughs> So, Danny, as we've talked about before, you're getting interested in starting the hobby. Uh, and you were kind of, so what are you looking for? Um, obviously, we had our like, little bit of a meme episode with uh, Warhammer Age of Sigmar versus 40k. But yeah, what are you looking for? You, either one is fine, or just like, what are you interested in the faction? I don't know, I just want to get something that, um, something that I can make kind of like interesting, kind of like, 
Well, I mean, I, I would be like, I want to make something that's, like, my own. But that's, like, every single model. So I was like, ah, I'm just trying to think of, like, um, really, I want to do something, like, one of the things, like, with Chaos, and maybe do, like, a Lovecraftian uh, theme with it, like, with Zeech. Um, just kind of, like, mm-hmm. do, like, um, like, incomprehensible horrors of something. Sure, and then, sure. Like, um, also, just, like, I need to, I need to find more people um in in the community in my community locally that that play it so i can uh you know start doing stuff and uh have have a reason to paint models and do things like that but also like one of the other things is just ease of access where it's like you know i don't want to necessarily like buy all the all these things or buy like a ton of different kits and then wait for them all to come in i just want you know that's why, like, I was looking at the Warcry, and I was like, "Oh, this is great! I get a like, nice little starter kit, and I can, uh, you know, start my collection." That seems great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously, so if you want to do something chaos, the advantage of getting Warcry is um, all of the models in there are chaos. Um, so you've got like two, um, all of them getting uh, the Age of Sigmar rules, um, are, like t- rules. two kind of like cultists of different varieties that I guess you could paint to look unified. And then you've got like animals, which that's probably the most Lovecraftian thing, like the 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 demons and the, uh, mm-hmm. the weird chicken raptor things. Uh, <laughs> obviously, you, you want add beautiful. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're they're very sweet um, murder turkeys. But like uh, the advantage of doing something incomprehensible is that you can really kind of go nuts with like, a really messy kind of strange paint scheme. You could add like green stuff. Things to make things less distinct. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you got a lot of choice of how to do that. Yeah. So, Alex and I have kind of come up with a few lists, um, a little bit of kind of like a little introduction to both Age of Sigmar 40k rules wise, what to collect wise. And we've both kind of created a list for Danny and kind of like we tried to have as much crossover as possible. So that way, Danny, you could take your list from Age of Sigmar and you can use most of the models with like minimal additions and maybe you could like then turn it to 40k. Because the beautiful thing about the Chaos Gods is that they exist in both universes. Mm-hmm. It's like Zeech is, I mean, obviously like some of the lores differentiate between each other, Age of Sigmar, but overall Zeech exists in 40k, Zeech exists in Age of Sigmar. Um, so Alex, let's start with you. So what's a good primer into somebody who's like, who just looked at Age of Sigmar, they just look at the models, and they're just like, what the hell am I doing with these? Like, what, what's this game? Okay, so um, the, the game in general is a little bit more uh, close combat focused than uh, 40k. Um, the rules are a bit more pared down too, um, and the, uh, the advantage of choosing like a Chaos army for it is especially the demons. Like, there is a there's a 100% uh, correlation where the models are the exact same between the ranges. And so if you buy a Bloodfuster, then you can use it for either Age of Sigma or 40k. Um, one of the things that I think Age of Sigma does a bit better than 40k, as I was talking with, with Sam and, and thinking of, of what could be like a shared list, is in Age of Sigma, the, there's more like uh, possibility for synergy between the individual gods there if you specialize. So if you give mm. corn, you can mix up demons, mortals, and all this sort of thing. Whereas in, in 40k, it seems like there's still that quite unified demon army. And then if you're going for um, for very special, um, for mortals, special yeah, yeah any, any mortals are basically a separate codex. Yes, um, which like I, I I totally understand. I think it's and I, and someone whose whose preference is mortals. I like that that's possible in Age of Sigmar. 
to do, but that you can then do both. Um, and the cool thing specifically about uh, collecting chaos, is that it can be relatively affordable in the fact that, as I'm sure both Sam and me have uh, figured out, a really good place to get a bargain um, for the first models to buy are the start collecting boxes. One of the few actually pro-consumer decisions that Games Workshop has made by bundling like a what will probably end up being in terms of points between a quarter to a third of like a two thousand point force in one in in the UK it'd be fifty ish quid and then in, in the US it'd be around up to a hundred dollars or whatever. Um right. Yeah so uh the so that's a positive and there are a multitude of start collecting boxes that are usable for chaos. Um, so you've got the various uh, ones which are like the Nurgle mortals, the rock bringers, or blah blah blah. And then you've got like the Nurgle version of the demons. Nurgle's quite good because there are five different start collecting boxes that are usable for it. So you've got really? the Nurgle rock bringers, you've got the Nurgle demons, you've got the slaves to darkness, which are like generic chaos warriors that you can then mark with the mark of Nurgle and play them in a Nurgle force. You can still use them as Nurgles, a beautiful point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm a big fan of chaos warriors, as you know. There's also Beastmen, which has the have the potential to either be allied in or when you take a battalion to mark them. We can talk about Beastmen a bit more later. And then you also have uh, the Clan Pestilence, which are Saven, which have the Nogal keyword. So Nogal has five different start collecting boxes that you can kind of mix save. and match and get like a possibly just from those boxes. I don't know if you get like the most competitive army out of them, but certainly a usable one with decent variety. Um, yeah, so how, was, how did you approach that, Sam? Well, before we get a little bit too into it, just one of the major things I wanted to ask is, like, how do you play it? And what are points values and all that good stuff? Yeah, Alex, could, could you just give us, like, in Age of Sigmar, like, the, the, there is very huge similarities between Age of Sigmar and 40k. So, like, Alex, what does a turn look like? So, like, Danny, so it's, let's just say Danny has his Zinch, his Zinch army, you know, 500 points of Zinch. So, so, and he bought the battle tome. You know, he has his disciples of Zinch battle tome. He has his general's handbook, and it's all 500 points. Uh, all things he'll be required to do that. And the beautiful part, it's like, you're like, oh, you know, I have to lug around this big, um, this, this big, this big rule book. But the big thing, the beautiful thing is, you don't have to get lug around the rule book. You don't have to lug around the rule book at all. There's a fun little thing. The core rules for both Age of Sigmar and 40K are 100% free. They're 100% free. All you have to do is you just have to go to the Games Workshop website, and then you look up the core rules. You look up core rules for Age of Sigmar, and then you look up Battle Primer for 40K, and it's literally a PDF that you can just download, and you have the basic rules of Age of Sigmar 40K, which is the beautiful thing. So, but Alex, uh, you know, before you know, uh, they go onto the GW website and they look up the core rules, what is a basic turn? What is Danny going to do? Okay, so like the, the turns of the game are, are split into like quite intuitively hero phase you got move phase shooting phase uh combat phase and then at the end battle shock to decide whether you guys so are what's, cowardly so what's, a, what's, a he- what's a hero phase oh hero phase uh when basically when uh, you're kind of important <laughs> bloody hierarchy i know we want to smash it but you've, you've got <laughs> characters in charge who um have special abilities they can bestow and then also uh that that part of it works with magic um, so that's kind of one one big phase in, in Age of Sigmar. So if you want to cast spells, and if you're playing Zinch, you, you will be casting spells. That's when you're going to do it. Um, so that's probably the, the the least intuitive of the phases, because as I was going through, you, you can kind of tell what's going to happen with the movement 
i.e. Mm-hmm. charging and moving. You can tell what's going to happen shooting. It's when you make someone a pincushion. Uh, and then obviously combat is when you're punching people in the face. Um, sure. So, so, yeah. so you... So you have those phases, but um, I keep hearing these things about War Scrolls, and I hear War Scroll Builder. Uh, what's a War Scroll, Alex? So a War Scroll is the individual stats like compilation of, of a unit. Um, so the old fantasy had, had this kind of decision to sort of standardize. So the rulebook was immense with lots of special rules that you had to check in the rulebook, and it meant that the, they could fit more stuff on the statue. By really paring down the core rules of AOS, the decision has been to add like flavor rules in the individual war scrolls. So the, the individual war scrolls is where you'll tend to start seeing how a given faction plays. There are various kind of special rules, but the, the, the core things to bear in mind are like their the, the relevant values of like their attacks, how you know how hard it is to hit and wound with those damage, blah blah blah, movement, uh, you know, bravery wounds and all this sort of thing so it's like the, the the characteristic of your unit and oh and as for points values um interestingly the game didn't have points values for the first year which was part <laughs> of the issues with the launch um and there was uh yeah both massive pressure and consternation about it from the community but also a lot of people then emerged trying to figure out how they could cost units to to make fair games because you, you want to play a fair pickup game, right? And not having, and the, with the uh, with the obvious kind of um, preface that you are never going to have a balanced game. You you will always have armies which are better, armies which are worse, because there's like a, a vast array of different powers they can do to each other, hard counters, all the sort of thing, and and general power levels all over the place. Uh, Someone plays Magic, I'm sure you, you're aware of that. Oh yeah, but like, I mean, yeah, exactly. But like. Without any sort of kind of um, any sort of stabilizers and any work done for you, and you're just sort of like thrown into this vast ocean of, uh, I have no idea how much, I have no idea how hard my army is in comparison to my mate's army over here. And especially if you're new to the game, it can be quite dispiriting to not know if the game's balanced and you're being kind of crushed unfairly or they're just doing poorly. So it was very good that. They then introduce these uh, the, these points values, which get updated regularly, which is a good place to be. Um, and those are also available for free if you go to the War Scroll Build site, which interestingly started off as an independent uh, venture. And GW kind of cannily decided, like in another another version of demonstrating how they're more savvy corporate now than just like EA, uh, where they would <laughs> probably have initially sued person if it was like 2008 um by because they, they're putting all these points up online which they they sell in these general handbooks um but instead they decided yeah we'll just add it to our website because a lot of people use it so you can then build your list uh which commonly games are between a thousand maybe 1500 and then often tournaments 2000 points um with each unit assigned a points value that's the same as it is in 40k uh yeah the only the only thing I want to talk about with points value is like what are some of like the official ruling? I know like for like kitchen table stuff, if you're just playing like with your friends at home, whatever. Uh, these pro- this doesn't matter, but like what's the official rulings as far as with points values on like kit bashing or like third market products? Hmm. So uh, I could I could jump into here. So 
In terms of kit bashing, um, okay, if you're going to uh, just like a friendly local game store that is not GW affiliated, you can basically get away with any like using third party wholesale. Uh, kit bashing is just as long as you and your opponent understand what that model is. So for Stormcast, let's say you know uh, Stormcast uh, Judicator with a bow, and like you've kit bashed it with some other things. It's like it's like okay, this is adjudicator with a bow, and if your opponent understands this is adjudicator with a bow, it's fine. Uh, in terms of third party, you know, love love to kit bash. I mean, my guardsmen use third party bits. If you're going to a local game store, if you're holding, going to a tournament, maybe something like a little bit more, even like a casual competitive sort of thing. Games Workshop does not allow third party, and that that uses more than fifteen uh, percent of the model. Which is just such an arbitrary number, which is basically up to the organizer to determine what 15% of the model being third party is, which is usually just like a head or a backpack or a piece of gear, maybe some arms, a weapon. Um, if you're going to a friendly local game store, they probably don't care as much. They do want some GW bits, but not as much. The, 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 this is kind of like the big problem in that Games Workshop has always been hesitant to talk about and they've kind of remained a little bit silent about and they've left it up to a individual person by person basis store by store basis is the amount of kit bashing the amount of customization you're allowed and that's one of the major weak points of games workshops had for the longest time they say they love kit bashing but of course they love to see kit bashing with their own models so if you're kit bashing entirely with GW bits, like, you know, you combine like some night haunt with some skeletons, like nobody's going to have any problem with that as long as it's clear uh, this model is X and you don't change it to being Y. All that stuff is fine. But in terms so of like, fish... just, like, like I have like a Skaven be like, actually, that's an impulsor tank, uh, you know? Yeah. So uh, another important thing that kind of th is a uh, base size. So models are placed onto 25 millimeter, 32 millimeter, 40 millimeter, and like 60 millimeter and larger. So with most kit bashing and like even most proxying and stuff, uh, proxying is when you take a model that's clearly not that, but you're just saying, oh, my Skaven clan rat is a skeleton because I want to try death rat. Well, so, yeah, yeah, that's the same thing you do like in magic. Like if you don't have the money for a card or you're waiting for it to come in the mail and you're playing like with friends, you just proxy it. Yep, exactly. So, but the big thing with Warhammer is that obviously in Magic, like cards are cards, you know, <laughs> there's not diff any differentiated cards. There's commander sized cards, but there's cards. But in Warhammer 40k, a clan rat and a skeleton are both on a 25 millimeter round plastic base. So they're perfect to proxy as each other. However, if you start saying, oh, my clan rat is a Stormcast Eternal, that that kind of gets a little bit bit problem because a 32 millimeter or a 40 millimeter base is so much bigger than that and the dynamics of the way age of sigmar work in particular because in age of sigmar you can't be within three inches of an enemy until you've declared your charge base sizes is very important especially in melee because if you have a smaller base size than what your model actually is you can fit more models in than you normally would be allowed to giving you an, an actual in-game advantage rather than just you know it doesn't look like a stormcast eternal yeah, like the big one is the difference between uh, 25 and 32 millimeters because 25 is an inch and an inch is the minimum range for any weapon. So if you've just got a load of 25 millimeter, um, yeah, as you said, skeleton bros with, with a one inch kind of uh, a sword, then but then you could say that the row behind, if you imagine like this this pile, horde, 
that is that is moved into base contact with their enemy. So the pile, but the the row behind can also attack because they are exactly one inch away. If you turn that into thirty two, then suddenly they are out of range. So that small small difference actually makes a significant gameplay uh, difference. Um, and to, to to the extent that usually giving your models a larger base is something of a disadvantage though it also means you're taking up more board space which can be helpful as well if you're blocking off things but for the most part you, you, it's not a it's not an in, a substantial difference and so that kind of proxy would not really be tolerated in like a proper competitive tournament it's fine if you want to pick up a game i guess but well yeah i think i was just talking like 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 in yeah, casually, like it, like to say it's the same thing in Magic. They don't allow proxies or anything like that. Only under specific circumstances and like things like that in professional settings. So um, yeah, yeah, Alex, proxies are not allowed in tournaments. Like it's it's the, uh, they they have a rule called what you see is what you get, which is in terms of, like in where the kit bashing comes. So if you have a space marine with a bolt pistol and chainsword, you are running him as a space marine with a bolt pistol and chainsword in terms of a terms of thing obviously for pickup games you know you could just be like oh you know he has a plasma gun as long as both you and your opponent realize that so what you see is what you get is kind of a holy rule of both of just like warhammer in general yeah and i mean like i think there is a th- th- there are certainly tournaments which will allow you like a transformative proxy at least i hope so like for example what my one of my projects was making slaneshi marauders instead of using like chaos marauders i used namati uh the 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 Idoneth, um sort of uh, Reavers, and then gave them like I completely changed like the helmets, weapons, all the sort of stuff. So that like they're quite clearly Slanesh Marauders, and if they're armed with the appropriate uh, array, I don't think it would be a problem. Um, I would have to check with like TOs if if I was to bring them. But yes, yeah, and and TO stands for Tournament Organizer. If you're not familiar with the uh, the acronym. Um, so yeah, like that one's okay because like one, you're using 100% GW bits, um, and then you're like painting it appropriately, and the other that that's not a proxy, that's a kit bash. That's a so that like well, that like that's okay, and it's still well, it's like still it's not tournament using... to tournament thing. Well, I w- <laughs> to get pedantic, I would call it something of a proxy because I'm not using any of the uh, not not zero percent of that model is the model I'm representing it as. Does that mean I? Don't have them or get at all. It's just in combinations that I've, I've like added kit bashing and and conversions. They look enough like that model I'm trying to represent that I think I'll get away with it. Mm. So yeah, if you are going to be pedantic about the then the test, technically an okay version of proxying, but I would just consider that kit bashing, and I think most TOs would consider that kit bashing as well. So does that answer your question, Danny? Yeah, yeah, it kind of, it kind of gets into gets into like I understand it a lot more now because beforehand, like I was listening, to this and I'm just like, ah, oh, it's kind of like information overload, like how, overload, like how do I even play this game? And I'm trying to figure it out, but now that makes much more sense. Now that it's really, sure. yeah, sure. Um, so Alex, um, what, what which would you prefer? Would you prefer to do your kind of cheapo list, <laughs> your your list of, as as, as your, that you've kind of come up with, or do you want to do your zinch list first? Uh, we we can both do our, our zinch lists, right? Because right, um, so we'll we, do our zinch lists now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, do, do you want to go first, or shall I? Uh, well, we're already doing Age of Sigmar, so you know, let's continue okay. the theme. All right. Well, um, so the the thing that we decided to uh, attack with the zinch list is to 
have something which is usable for both systems. And I initially thought, oh yeah, so demons would be great, but apparently that's not quite how it works. But there is another option, uh, specifically for Zeech, and that is um, Zangors, which are, as, as you can guess, guess from the portmanteau, um, Gors, which are beastmen, which are Zeechian. Um, so uh, they're, they're quite nice new models. Usable both in the Thousand yeah. Suns faction. I love, yeah, I love the model. <laughs> yes, uh, they're a bit more versatile in terms of use uh, in Age of Sigmar because you can both use them in a Zinch army, but also in a Beast of Chaos army. And so the list I decided on um, was a, a Zinch and Beast of Chaos list. Um, so, and and I would like this. Obviously, this isn't like a, a, a great tournament list, like top tier. But I, I think that this isn't a bad list at all that you could certainly do reasonably okay with, and I try to keep it as cheap as possible. Uh, it doesn't help that Age of has the additional uh, terrain tax, where you've got to buy like the, the faction-specific terrain for your army. Yeah, um, so 40k is getting that too, the fucking terrain tax, I hate it. I mean, like... <laughs> Lovely models, it's just annoying that it's a necessity. I'd much prefer if it was like point pointed in terms of point value, so you could add it to your army, and then it's not just a, literally a tax that you have to include, or you're playing a subpar list. But so, my uh, my idea was to so we we're talking about the star collecting boxes. So, the first thing to, to start with that is buy the Beast of Chaos star collecting box, which you get a great Bray Shaman, um, you get Best of Gores, uh, a, a 10 unit of them. Um, ten Ungors, which I would have thought assembling raiders, the 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 bow wielding ones might be good, and then you get the uh, the behemoth, the big monster, which you can like a big giant minotaur type thing, uh, either a gorgon, which is that, or a cygor, which is like a a rock throwing cycloptic beast. Um, neither of those are the most competitive models, but they they look pretty nice despite being a bit older. I think the Gorgon was probably what I would add to this list. And so as for the rest of the the stuff, it's all gonna be Zangors from here. So two boxes of uh Zangors, um, which is tw- twenty in each box, so that like fills up your battle line. They're really they're two wound each, reasonably tough, do a decent amount of damage um when you synergize them with the hero that you really need to get, which is the Zangor Shaman, who's riding on a disc, and they will uh, give bonuses to the uh, the Zangor Enlightened, which are like uh, units of of uh, more elite Zangors that also uh, fly around on discs. So, which you can also assemble as Skyfires, which have shooty pew pew bows that were like the bane of the Age of Sigma meta a few years ago. Like they were, <laughs> they were just infamous for being able to just snipe out everybody with mortal wounds. They've been a bit downgraded since then, but they're still good enough. Um, so yeah, so the in terms of units, it is. Shame, uh, Zangor Shaman, Great Bray Shaman, and then units uh, 10 Beast of Course, 10 Angor Raiders, 6 Zangor Enlightened, um, 2 lots of 10 Zangors, then 1 uh, unit of 20, a Gorgon, the Battalion Phantasmagoria of Fate, which puts them in the Zinch, um, uh, and it also gives them like uh, a, a, like an additional bonus. Uh, and then what uh, in terms of unbinding, and then one endless spell. So for that, you'd purchase the Ender Spell box for Beast of Chaos, and for that, the Wildfire Taurus is really good, um, partly because it's a big flaming uh, bull that you can just send across the battlefield, which is kind of cool. 
Um, but the other thing that's really good about it is it makes people strike last. And if there's one thing that is really big in the Age of Sigma meta right now, it is making people strike last or striking first. Like Because it's alternate activation when you go to the combat phase, it's you go, I go, you go, I go, and there's like a tactical choice in picking which unit fights. The ability to force units to go last or to go before is really, really strong in the game. Um, so yeah, that's the 2,000 point list, and it works out at uh, $360. Not the cheapest possible thing that you could buy, but still not bad um, for a um, yeah for a Warhammer army. And then obviously this is Games Workshop RRP, absolutely 100% buy from a discount retailer. Like, there's lots of places where you can get 20% off. Just do that. Yeah. So uh, my Zeech list, I was kind of, it, it's not cheap. But the thing is, all the Zangor stuff is like if you port the Zangor stuff 100% from my list, it's actually an over 2,000 points of uh, AOS stuff. I did the conversion. So <laughs> obviously, I'm doing this for 40K. But if you get all of this stuff from, uh, I did a 1,000 Suns list because the only way to get Zangors is you have to do a 1,000 Suns detachment. So let me go a little bit briefly over 40K, just to kind of like the general rules. So. 40k has these things called these, these roles, while AOS only has leaders, battle line, and other. So for 2,000 points, you need an AOS, you need two leaders and three battle line. And then the rest you can just fill up with basically anything else to fill up those 2,000 points. 40k is a little bit more specific. So they have several roles. So you have HQs, which are kind of like your leaders or your heroes. You have troops which are your grunts, uh, usually like your holding line, kind of bog standard uh, troops, infantry. Uh, then you have elites, which are supposed to be like, you know, a little bit tougher, uh, you know, maybe some vehicles in there. Fast attack, which is self-explanatory. You Things that go, things that zoom across the board. And then you have heavy support, which is your big guns. Then you have flyers, which is another category, which is obviously things that have to go zoom into the air. And then you have, uh, dedicated transports, which there is not a limit of. So, 40k has detachments and command points. The way you use you use these command points for things called stratagems. Stratagems are rules that you can find inside of your codex. So, in this one, it would be Codex Thousand Suns. You spend these command points to do certain actions. Sometimes it's you spend this stratagem to reroll what singular dice. Or maybe it's you cast an additional psychic power. All of these things cost things called command points. Now, of course, the question is, how do you generate these command points? So 40K, uh, AOS has these things called battalions, which is like it has like a certain requirement that you have to meet in order to gain the benefits from it. In 40K, the way detachment works is you have to have a certain number of the roles. So you have a patrol detachment, which is one HQ and one troop choice. So that, that gives you zero command points. However, if you do a battalion detachment, that is two HQs and three troop choices. So for th so for Thousand Suns, that would be two sorcerers and like say 30 Zangors, because that would be three 10-man units of Zangors. And that would, be, that would be a battalion that would get you five command points to then spend on your army. And because you are a thing called Battle Forge, which is basically you have made an army that fits within this detachment, you get an additional three command points. So say you have that battalion, it now goes up to eight command points because you're Battleforged and you have a battalion. So 
when so when I'm kind of talking about this stuff, I am placing stuff into various detachments. This list involves a battalion detachment and a supreme command detachment. And a supreme command detachment is just three HQs, so three leader characters. So, in order to make this Thousand Suns list at 2,000 points, you will buy a Start Collecting Thousand Suns box. And what that will net you is that will net you 10 Rubric Marines, and which, which comes with uh, nine Rubric Marines and one, exalt, one Sorcerer, and it comes with 10 Zangors, like Alex talked about. It also comes with the char named character Aramon. So, and Aramon's like a big, big old psyker. He's like one of the strongest in the game. So it comes with him. Uh, you are going to, the difference between 40K and AOS is that AOS, you don't pay for equipment. You just kind of get upgrades like standard bearers, uh, you know, sergeants or something like that. And that stuff just comes free. It's basically a thousand, sun, I mean, like uh, five liberators is always a hundred points, whether you give them hammers or shields. 40K works a lot more differently, and it's a lot more specifically different than that. So what you equip the individual units affects points cost dramatically. So what you're going to do is you're going to equip your Rubik Marines with a Soul Flame Reaper autocannon, and then you will give one of them a Warp Flamer. And so you will the start from the start collecting box, you will be able to build with Aramon on disc, 10 Rubik Marines with one Soul Reaper autocannon and one Warp Flamer, 10 Zangors with their Zangor close combat weapons, not the bolt pistol and chainsword. That will net you 438 points. Then we will get one of the Augroid Fodder Mages uh, that Alex included for his uh, list. And you're going to proxy that. So we talked about the you're going to be kit bashing sort of deal. And that will be run as a Daemon Prince of Zinch because the Augroid Fodder Mage does not exist inside Warhammer 40k. So you can just use him as a Daemon Prince. And he's $41. And so that's this is MSRP. It's a, That's 180 points. And then this is where the big kind of pros. Uh, cost comes in, you're going to buy five Zangor boxes, which is $200 and 356 points. And you're going to give them all the cl Zangor close combat weapons, because what that uh, that does, and that's uh, is because Zangors are actually kind of like cheap disposable units in Warhammer 40k versus Age of Sigmar. They're like two wound heavier models. Zangors you kind of have like in these big blobs of 30 that you kind of like use to then like bum rush them. Uh, you will buy one Exalted Sorcerer's box, which comes with three Exalted Sorcerers, and that's where your Supreme Command detachment will come in. So that's $60, but that for that $60, you're getting 380 points worth of stuff. So that's like the biggest value box you can get. Then you will buy two Zangor Shamans, which is $70 and 180 points worth of stuff. One Hellbrute with Missile Launcher and Twin Last Cannons is how you will build it, which is $54 at 120 points. This is, you will buy three Zangor Enlightened, which you can build as Enlightened or Skyfires, as Alex talked about. So those are going to carry over. That is $120 for 150 points. That is like the big cost there. And that's kind of like why we have like the big crossover with AOS, because you can take all of the Zangor stuff and run it directly in AOS. It's going to be okay list. You know, it's not going to be the best. It'll be okay, but it'll be 100% portable. And then you have the one Chaos Predator with last cannons on the Sponson and the sides. And that'll be 190 points. So this comes to 1,995 1, points for $637. Obviously, you wouldn't buy that at all at MSRP. Hopefully, you get a like 15%, 20%, depending on where you purchase it. Um, usually, like eBay or your local friendly game store usually will have sales or discounts. So, and that's my Thousand Suns list that I recommend to you. Because all, right. it, it, all the Zangor stuff 100% ports over to AOS. The Algorithm Auto Mage also points over to. AOS. And then this is also a really good list, A Thousand Suns, 
that you're going to have it's a lot of fun because you have like big mobs of infantry you have like lots of fun psychic powers and you're able to do a lot you have like good shooting it's kind of got like a little bit of everything you got melee you got shooting you got psychic you're fast it's got it's got everything in there so that's my list that i've kind of crafted for you obviously not not cheap but as with all this hobby it's a slow build you kind of see that big number, 637, like it's a, that's a big, scary number. But you don't buy this all at once. You just kind of buy this slowly, piecemeal by piecemeal, until you eventually have 2,000 points. All right. So it's kind of like it, almost kind of tying it back to magic for a second. This is like um, you're basically investing in a you, – you buy the cards usually piecemeal, and you start to build things up and build up your collection, and it gets easier to make things because you build your collection because you have more stuff, right? Indeed. And the nice thing about 40K versus magic is a lot of stuff like these, like these units don't get banned. A lot of them, don't, they make it FAQ'd in the rules wise, but they're not going to be like totally useless. Like th these units will always be here and the GW is going to continue to include them in the codexes. I mean, some of these units like Predators have been around since the 90s. So if you're getting a Predator now, like these models are an investment. Like, uh, Well, let's like be honest, Predators away. have been around since the 1970s. Yeah. Ouch. So give us another emoji for our ears. Yep. <laughs> so there was that. Uh, that's the kind of list there. And now I'm gonna kind of go on to 40k. So I explained the detachments a little bit. And that's that's kind of the part that most people, when they get to it, they're like, what the fuck is this? The detachments are like easily the most complicated part, the most confusing part. Um, there's multiple detachments. I'm not gonna go over all of, all of them. But there's other detachments like Spearhead Detachment, which is three heavy support choices and one HQ, which nets you one command point. Uh, you have Vanguard Detachment, which is three elite choices and one HQ. And the way you determine if they're elites or troops or HQs, they are all inside of your codex, clearly labeled. They are labeled as elites. They are labeled as troops. They are all given specific roles. So that way you are aware of what they are. The points values are in the back of the codex, so that way you can find out how much a bolt pistol costs, a plasma gun costs, how much a marine costs, and some of those points are also moved into chapter approved. So, let's go over a basic turn in Warhammer 40k. In Warhammer 40k, we have instead of we have war scrolls, we have data sheets. Unfortunately, GW has decided not made a data sheet builder or an army builder for 40k for some reason. What's well, because well, the the original one uh, the war scroll was someone else doing the work and then they claimed it so someone just needs to do it and then they'll have to take it on that's the, so it's well, a shout out someone make that for 40k and they'll have to then um you know politely ask do you want to make this our proprietary software then once someone has done the fucking work well, well well the thing is that somebody has already done the work and it's a it's an application called battle scribe so all ah, right okay so if you are going to get into warmer 40k or age age of sigmar what I recommend is you download the application called Battlescribe. Once you download Battlescribe, you will go to the Manage Data button, and you will download the rules for Warhammer 40k 8th Edition and Age of Sigmar. And then what you're able to do with that is that you're able to get the points value for your units, points values for your um, weapons, points value for your troops, etc., etc., all into like one neat little application that's entirely free and that GW has yet, not yet cracked down on. So that's going to help you a lot. When it comes to your list building, I use Battlescribe when I was making these lists uh, from these potential armies uh, myself. So, a basic turn in Warhammer 40k. 
So basically, you roll off for the you roll off for the mission, which you do on a d6. You can do either do Eternal War or Maelstrom of uh, Maelstrom. Maelstrom missions involve the data cards that you can purchase for your army. Uh, the data cards are basically something that you can use that'll have all your stratagems. So that way, instead of consulting the codex constantly, flipping through, oh, where's that one stratagem I want to use? You can just buy the data cards and you can just look at them really quickly. Another thing that it does is it has objectives on them. So the Maelstrom missions involve kind of like pulling the cards and like it'll be an objective such as kill a unit, uh, hold an objective, that kind of stuff. The Eternal War missions are much simpler and the rules are in the General's Handbook or the uh, chapter approved missions. So, but we're gonna just do Eternal War. So a, a, turn, a game will kind of start off where you roll against each other, you decide who will deploy first, and that basically is putting your models within what is called a deployment zone, which is um, basically usually like around 12 inches on a six by four table. You place off your models, and then after that, you will decide you can seize the initiative, which is where if you roll a six, you steal the turn, even if you had not deployed first. Go first, you actually steal the turn away from them. So the beginning of 40K is the movement phase is actually the first one. Uh, you can get the movement values in your codex on the data sheet. It'll tell you how many inches uh, a unit moves. Then you will have the psychic phase, which is semi-similar to Age of Sigmar. Basically, what you do is you have your characters who make a psychic power. Uh, your codex will tell you how many powers they can manifest or how many powers they know, you'll pick one or two of those powers, and you roll 2d6, and these powers have a warp charge value, which will also be listed in your codex. So if it's a warp charge value of 6, you need to roll two dice, and if those numbers add up to 6, um, you manifest the power successfully. If you roll double 1, you suffer Perils of the Warp, which is where your um, character suffers something called Mortal Wounds. And Mortal Wounds are something that basically you cannot make a save against. So you got that, then you roll double 12 where the power still goes off and you suffer mortal wounds. So you got the psychic phase, then you got the shooting phase, and then you have the assault phase, which is where you roll 2d6 to see if you get within an inch of the enemy models. And then obviously you go subsequently afterwards. And then after that, you of course have the morale phase, which is basically the exact same thing as the battle shock. So that's kind of like the basics of Warhammer 40k. They're very similar, but it's kind of the devils in the details, where Warhammer has like detachments and stratagems. AOS is very simplistic in the terms of just two leaders, three battle lines. And the, your, the battle tomes, which are basically the AOS equivalents of codexes, will have what you need to know about uh, what counts as battle line, what counts as leaders. So we kind, of, we kind of got all that stuff. Those are the very basics. You can get a lot more in-depth, uh, like I recommend. One of the resources you can do is you could go to the Games Workshop website. And you can download the Warhammer 40k Battle Primer, as well as the as well as the Warhammer Age of Sigmar core rules, and that will kind of explain the turn in detail as well as the units. And those are totally free for you to download. Oh my God! No way! No way! That is so awesome! Oh my God, dude! Do you see this? Most importantly, the thing that we really want to get to is we have a bunch of questions we need to answer. Uh, thank you for everyone in the Discord who provided these, uh, everyone who sent emails. Uh, if you have any more questions, send them to podcastsigmarxism.com. Uh, before we get into the Discord slash email questions, Danny, uh, we've been talking a lot. You've been a little bit quiet. Uh, did you have any further questions for us? Uh, not really. I mean, you answered pretty much all the ones that I wanted to, just some of the basic ones about getting into the hobby, what I need to do, and kind of good ideas of where to start. That's all I really wanted to know about, and it's been very informative. Thank you. 
I feel like you're being sarcastic and you're just like, you're like, fuck these guys. <laughs> no, it you, it has been very informative. And uh, if you want to post those lists up, I will uh, probably try to get to it or do something with it. If okay. I have the money. The, prob- the problem is I... The money. Just, yeah. just stick it up over the wall and write Pepe Silvia on it. and then. So, let's get on to some of these questions. And thank you again for submitting these. So, which armies aren't worth starting as a beginner as the models slash codex will be replaced in the next year or so. Uh, Alex, let's start with you on this one. Um, any army with men in it, I think, is, is just not worth collecting. Damn. Men. <laughs> ah, damn. Uh, well, but, but seriously, like, any... So this is especially pertinent to Age of Sigma, because, like, even though we've, we're approaching five years on, big... Um, the what well, technically more close to four is uh, the, the big reset, which uh, transitioned from the old world to Age of Sigmar. There are still kind of hangers on and like little sub factions which have been updated and are possibly going to either be gotten rid of or maybe updated and added to something new. So it's not quite worth investing in something which the future is uncertain for. And I think that's the same thing. For, like, if if you want to collect something in 40k, which is all just metal and fine costs, it's probably not a good idea. And Age of Sigmar makes that more clear by actually having like battle tomes. So anything with a new updated battle tome uh, that has like that has point values in it is usually a good bet for this is something that is not going to be gotten rid of overnight, which is always a slight worry for both systems. Um, that that would be my tip, and then other than that, just whatever you want, really. So there's, there's plenty of, of battle tone books out at the moment. More coming out, like the Free Peoples will be out soon, and they're possibly already getting rid of some of the old fine casts and stuff there. So don't <laughs> don't expect your uh, various war, or maybe the war priests, but certainly some wondrous heroes that you wouldn't expect to make it past that next few weeks. Um, okay. Uh, for 40k, that's not as too much of a problem. I would not recommend Craft Worlds uh, because of the similar problem that a lot of Age of Sigmar armies where a lot of their stuff is fine cast. I mean, obviously the models are not going to get squatted, which is, like, the thing is, like, if it exists in Warhammer 40k as a model, even if it's resin, it's going to be brought into the next codex. Uh, but, you know, just in terms of, like, that they're old, they don't look too great. Uh, I would not recommend Craft Worlds because your only real plastic models is you got the Farseer, the Guardians, Warwalkers, Wraith Lords, Wraith Guard, and the Dire Avengers. Which, if you like those, collect Craft Worlds. I don't think the Codex is going to get updated anytime soon, but because it's an incredibly good Codex and it's an incredibly powerful Codex. But I think the a- Aspect Warriors, which are like the Fire Dragons and the Howling Banshees, hopefully will get replaced sooner rather than later. And like we just said, uh, uh, Space Marines. Are going to be getting their new codex. So, well, there's a downside to that too, though, like being the poster faction. And same thing with the Stormcast that they get frequent fucking books, which means change in playstyle, possibly have to buy a new book. So, there's that issue with being it supported is, is kind yeah. of good, but it's got drawbacks. It does have drawbacks. And, like, obviously, the codex is getting replaced soon. So, don't buy the codex. If you're starting Space Marines, don't buy the codex. Like, they already announced that they're going to put up the preview. So, they're going to. It's going to be put up on preview. It's going to basically be a two weeks at the time of this recording, but there will be a new uh, vanilla Space Marine. In terms of additional ones getting reworked, I don't think any of the other codexes at this time are going to get reworked. 
most of that stuff will be touched in chapter approved. Uh, obviously, Sisters of Battle are going are getting entirely re- um, uh, If you're getting any of the Inquisition stuff, don't get any of that, like Jokeros, Inquisitors, uh, and don't get any Sisters of Battle because all that stuff is getting updated. Those are the only things I can really imagine that's like leftover, that's like old, really old metal or plastic that's going to get changed in 40k. So don't get any Sisters, don't get any Inquisition stuff. I think actually I think Grey Knights. Grey Knights will probably get a codex rework because their codex is hot garbage, so <laughs> I would avoid them as well. All right. Another question. Uh so we have what's the best range 40k army and best melee one? Um Alex and Danny care to make guesses? The best melee army is, is Fast Sight. Uh oh, so it's so it's Tau for both. That's what you're saying, Alex? All right. I was I was gonna I was gonna say Tau for one, but I think also best uh melee army or not best melee army, but um, best melee army in Age of Sigmar is I'm going to get Sylvaneth, because that makes sense. Mm. All right. Well, for the best 40k uh, ranged army and best melee army, the best 40k ranged army is actually the Imperial Guard. Not in terms of collecting, because it's an expensive army as fuck, and I would not recommend for beginners, just because of sheer amount of models you need to buy. Uh, that's the best ranged one, and the best melee one is undisputedly, in my opinion, Tyranids. It's, uh, orcs are pretty close. Uh, Orcs obviously have all their boys and stuff. Horde melee armies are the meta. They're absolutely insane. So that would be Tyranids. Alrighty. So what are some good resources for beginners that don't involve random Google searches or YouTube? All right. So, okay. So there's uh, things that we'd recommend. Well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Battlescribe. Battlescribe's an amazing application. Both the Battle Primer and the Core Rules are totally free on GW's website. So please download those if you have any questions. Um, FAQs and all that kind of stuff for individual army or general rules are all available free on the Games Workshop website. Uh, Alex, are there any YouTube channels that you recommend? Uh, yeah, so uh, one that I quite like for painting, Vince Venturella, who uh, goes relatively in-depth. Especially, It's probably not like... There are a few videos of his which are useful only just starting painting. But I would say... Um, you probably want to watch the classic Duncan vids if you're if you've literally never touched a brush, and then uh, Vince will give you some uh, some like different perspectives, uh, possibly going to the nuances of of various stuff more. His hobby cheating series is really good, covers a lot of ground. Um, and of course, if if uh, if you just want to like find a good kind of replacement for googling things, uh, may I interest you in this uh, very good website called Bing? Um, got him we waited an hour and a half for that joke to come back we said it before the pod and now we're here we are we can we are yeah. finally done yeah Al- alex was waiting literally the entire pod which is not an exaggeration to make that joke <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say um, it too I almost, I almost stole it because i was like oh man alex isn't saying it time uh, to swipe a joke gonna joke cuck alex damn that's that's <laughs> cold as shit i thought alex was the cruel one of this pod well, no, it was, it was sort of just grim resignation, really. Like, I went through the seven stages of grief, and at this point, I'm like, well, I, I, I know what I am. Yeah. Um, Alex, it, which, which part of the four humors are you, is the question. <laughs> what, what are all the four humors? Did, did, didn't we already make this joke when we... Uh, I think we did. Rise? Yeah, we already made this joke of which ah, one of us was the humors. We're, yeah. we're, we're, look. I'm not cum, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. all, all, I have, all I have to say is that uh, after... After that Bing joke, that's the last joke we'll have. We have on the show. We're out of jokes. We're done. We're, We're done. No, no more jokes are. No more jokes allowed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, 
Uh, if I was to recommend, I have a few YouTube recommendations. Um, if you are just getting started in Warhammer 40K, Mini Wargaming actually has an excellent primer in 8th edition covering the phases a lot more in depth than I am able to. Uh, I don't personally recommend a Warhammer uh, Mini Wargaming for battle reports. Um, I don't think they're very interesting or exciting. Uh, sorry, guys. I, you know, you guys were kind of my first battle report channel, but you're kind of falling about it. You have a very good 8th edition summary, so uh, do those. <laughs> Check that out. Uh, that's a good resource. Um, Striking Scorpion 82 has a lot of painting guides and tactics guides. So if you're wondering, like, oh, how do I play my Tau army? How do I play my Blood Angels? Striking Scorpion 82. Just look him up right there. Punch in your army that you're interested in, and he will he will probably have, like, a whole plethora about it. He's obviously a little bit draggy, but then so are we, so we're going to talk. Uh, he's got great battle reports as well. Uh, painting guides, I would recommend, other than Warhammer TV, the obvious one, Apathetic Fish, who used to be part of Commissar Gamza. By the way, never check out Commissar Gamza. He's a chud, like all fuck. Apathetic Fish, uh, Apathetic Fish is a very good painter. Um, Sonic Sledgehammer Studios is a good painter for beginners. He has very easy build guides, or very easy to start guides, similar to Duncan. And then he also has some more ones if you want to go a little bit more depth. So those are some resources I would recommend. Um, the Reddit mini paint uh, mini painting subreddit is actually very good. If you're looking for list building or uh, army building advice, don't go to the Warhammer 40k one. Don't go to Warhammer Competitive. Don't go to your faction specific one. Uh, those are usually cancer ridden uh, hell holes, and I would not recommend those. Like you would, might think, oh, let me go to the Warhammer Competitive one. How do I build a competitive list? Do not. You're just going to get yelled at the entire time. It is not a fun time. Anyways, all right. So those are some resources. Uh, so, Alex, what, what did you wish you knew about the hobby, including painting, modeling, or just army starting, before you started? Um, that I am a... Well, I didn't know this. I was just in denial. I'm a compulsive procrastinator who doesn't finish. Um, but... Well, uh, I, can, I can recommend a few things. One is that thin, thin your paints... Uh, Duncan oh, is 100% oh, yes, yes. right. Please thin yeah. your paints. Uh, I have plenty of Chaos Space Marines that are now covered in what is now corn red uh, because I literally just dipped my uh, my uh, brush into the pot and splattered them all over there. Uh, be careful when you are priming, especially if you're doing the aerosol primers. The um, If you're doing like those primers in the can, one, give them a shake. Rec shake them for five minutes so that way everything uh, parts. And like that's for the first time you use the GANS primer. If you're doing it for just like using again, I do three minutes just to be safe. And the other thing is spray in bursts away from the model. So let's say you have your left hand where you're holding the model. You take it and you just do a quick spray. Spray. You basically go left to right or right to left. So, so like you, not like you, graffiti spray, just like all over it, right? Yes. No, because what will happen is that you'll cover all the details and you're going to be like, oh, wow, this model looks like a big block of white or black or whatever the primer that you use so you basically want to take it in like a little burst it's like a little tss, 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 left and right left and right and kind of like spin the model around get it from all the different angles uh a one fun little trick that you can do is uh if you have pill bottles or you have some cylindrical thing and you put a little blue tack on the on the top you can hold it from that which makes it makes it a good way from when you're painting it or if you're priming it so that way you're not getting it on your fingers uh, another tactic that I like to use is if you have a poster tack, which is pretty cheap at like Office Depot or any supply store, and you take a ruler, and so you take you put a bunch of the tack at the bottom of the bases, 
and you have them all facing the same direction. You put them all on the ruler. So that way you can fit like 10, 10 models all in one ruler. And that way you can get multiple things. You're basically speed priming. Uh, using a combination of blue tack, and then maybe um, you, you can use like a cork from a wine bottle or basically any cylindrical object. I'm lucky enough to have some old, um, old, old GW um, uh, tubs of paint which had like a flat top that you essentially stick the blue tack on top of this little cylindrical object and then stick your bases on. So you're not like clawing at the bases in a way that will give you like carpal tunnel syndrome. Um, GW sells like a, a base holder, the, but the bougie paint would... handler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> seriously, <laughs> it's counter revolutionary. If you're getting that right, like be, be a pro. Get some blue tack and then something to stick the blue tack onto. You're holding it, like you know, so so you're holding it like it, it a proper human being, basically. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would recommend uh, that I wish I knew beforehand is you don't need to buy the GW branded hobby stuff. You don't need the GW paints to paint your models. You don't need the GW brushes. Um, Danny, because uh, you're in America, uh, sorry to dox you. Uh, Danny's an American oh, guy. Oh, shit. I'm uh, dead. Um, uh, the AC Moore and Michaels have brushes brushes and paint palettes out the wazoo. Uh, they have like little things. Get those. You don't need to buy the Citadel brushes. You don't need to buy the Citadel paint handler or the Citadel uh, you know, poop scratcher or something like that. It's like you can buy the generic brand of like brushes or like, and you can tell like, like obviously if you're doing like, you know, golden Damon winter stuff, then you're going to get a, like a more luxury brand, but Citadel stuff isn't even like a good luxury brand. Yeah. Like that gold, the golden demon winners don't even use uh, Citadel stuff. The only reason that you Citadel stuff is that basically you've bought into the idea that Citadel stuff is the best, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and if you're looking for a non-GW brand that uh, basically like your your dollar per um, amount of paint that will go much farther, buy Vallejo. Vallejo has, has good metallics. I know Alex hates his metallics, but Vallejo has excellent metallics. They have excellent base paints. Um, they're a lot easier to work with than Citadel sometimes is. Uh, Army yeah. Painter also has an Army, excellent... Yeah, that's the cheaper one. That's, that's also decent. Yeah, I was also going to ask, so like, um, what specifically type is there any specific type of paint and be like paint that you would want to get? Like, you want to get like acrylic paint or you want to get like more? Okay. So, okay, so you can't just go to so this is the one thing where you can't just buy a hundred percent generic. You can't just go to AC Moore Michaels and buy like a bottle of acrylic black or acrylic yellow, some apple barn kind of stuff because that paint breaks up too easily when you thin it, there isn't enough mm. pigments in it. So you do need model paint of some sort. Like you do need a specific one. Uh, like that's why Alex and I are recommending RE Painter of Vallejo because their stuff is much much cheaper, and you're getting way way more paint for the dollars. But you're also like it's actual model paint. Like it's not going to break up so easily when you thin it down. Okay. So yeah. So both Vallejo and Army Painter have excellent bundles on their website um, that you can buy that will give you way way more paint per dollar than any Citadel stuff. So. Yeah, you do not. That's the lesson I impart you. You do not need the Citadel branded stuff. There is always, always, always a generic version to do. Obviously, you're already giving them the money for their overpriced model. Don't give them the money for their overpriced hobby supplies. There's like way more variety of uh, options in that set, in that uh, that field. Um, Alex, is there anything else? That that was kind of like my big lesson: is you don't have to buy the Citadel thing. Uh, oh, yeah. Also, make sure you have a good hobby knife. 
make sure you have a good set of clippers and make sure you have a good hobby knife. Uh, I, I personally use an X-Acto knife. Yeah, and, that's the, uh, I used to do um, some other hobby stuff and like other painting, well, not painting, but X-Acto knives I've, I've learned are useful. So I, I know I, I live by the X-Acto knife. The X-Acto <laughs> knife honest, is a always, beautiful thing. It's always suspicious when you're like, oh yeah, I have this knife. Uh, I used it for um, other hobby stuff. Uh, you don't want to get more specific than that. Because <laughs> there's extradition charges. <laughs> no, I actually used it to like chill out on airplanes sometimes. I'd cut that. Uh, no. Um, what I used it for was I used to do like uh, a balsa wood building competition. And like stuff. Uh, oh, cool. Classic. Yeah, get an exacto knife. They're They're pretty cheap and they're very good. They're very good, especially because like what you do is when you cut off the thing, you're gonna have like little bits of sprue left on it. So instead of trying to get that with your clippers, you just take an exacto knife. And what you want to do is you want to grab it by the handle, and use your thumb on the back of the blade, and you want to push it. You want to kind of push it where you're gonna have the most control. Uh, so usually, like towards you, you do get the most control, but also make sure you have some padding on your fingers, so that way you don't wind up like me and you have like five million scars all over your thumb and hands, and people ask if you cut yourself. So, Ooh, yeah, maybe yeah. just yeah, just one more sort of like uh, piece of advice. Uh, this is gonna sound like really airy fairy and hippie, but like, there's lots of different aspects of the hobby of of the craft of painting exactly. and and, craft, and kit bashing your minis. Basically, find what really appeals to you and do that. Like, you're probably still gonna have to paint things, but if painting isn't your deal and what you really want to do is like find cool commissions, maybe do a bit of green sculpting, then like. Yeah, look into those tutorials and then do that because that's going to be what's going to excite you. You don't want to burn yourself out by feeling that you have to do uh, whatever it is to, to be within the hobby and then just, yeah, and, and give up. Find the thing that appeals to you and do that. Yeah, that's, those are the things. Um, if we think about anything else, we'll bring it up on a future episode because I'm sure there'll be something like, oh, no, I, I wish I had brought There's also this other thing. Um, if you did send in the question to us, and thank you so much for asking it, uh, it's not because you know we didn't like it or we don't like you. It's just because we didn't have enough time, and we we're trying to keep this within a set amount of time. So that has been our getting to start collecting episode. A little haphazard, uh, but the hobby's a little bit haphazard. So our minds have not entirely turned into mush, which is always good to hear. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you so much, Danny and Alex. Danny, I hope we were proving a little bit more helpful for you uh, than the the meme debate was. I hope this provides some actual insight to help you get started and maybe alleviate some of those fears. Uh, no, I, I wasn't listening to you because you weren't doing a Southern accent and Alex wasn't being um, a pedantic prick. So Alex is always a pedantic prick. What are you talking about? Yeah, like, I, can, I can cite at least seven, seven cases just this episode of me being pedantic. Exactly, but you uh, didn't say any fallacies. That was your issue. Uh, you didn't. Yeah, you didn't get the ad hominem, and you didn't. Uh, and I didn't go on about ketogenics. Uh, so that, there we go. <laughs> that, 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 that's that was it. Alrighty, but before we get too crazy off, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud. Give us a listen on there. We are of course at sigmarxism.com. Come to the subreddit. Uh, message one of the uh, one of the administrators. You know, join the Discord and continue to shit post with us. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, send us an email podcast at sigmarxism.com or comment under our Twitter. Or send us a message or DM us in Twitter. Uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, we hopefully can continue with lists or in answering your questions we'll be happy to answer those 
uh, maybe on different episodes. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, I've been your host, Sam. And as always, Nationalize Games Workshop. Nationalized games, nationalized games workshop, comrades.